everything great in my life that has ever happened, I start before I'm ready. So I was not ready to start my, I had no freaking clue what the hell I was doing and I was terrified, but I had to start. And I started before I was ready because I realized for me to wait until I quote unquote feel ready, that day is never going to come. I'm Amy Jo Martin. Welcome to the Why Not Now show. You know that thing you've been thinking about doing? Yeah, that one. Why not now? Have you ever actually taken the time to ask yourself, what's stopping me? Let's talk it through. This is your chance to give that idea the attention it deserves and take action. Each episode, I have a chat with a fascinating person from entrepreneurs to athletes, celebrities, my parents, rocket scientists, and all walks of life. We talk through a critical time when they've asked themselves, why not now? We dissect that day or even that moment, step by step. Marie Forleo was named by Oprah as a thought leader for the next generation. She's the creator of the award-winning online show, Marie TV, with over 38 million views on YouTube and an audience in 195 countries. Marie is an entrepreneur, author, and she's the founder of B-School, an online business school for modern entrepreneurs. This episode is jam-packed with tactical and practical pieces of wisdom that you could apply to your life right now. One of Marie's mottos is start before you're ready, which is wildly appropriate for the why not now concept. You're about to hear just why millions of people subscribe to Marie Forleo's philosophy. We tackle the most taboo topics on the why not now show. Oftentimes you're hearing guests share things they've never shared before. In the spirit of things we don't typically talk about, you should know that the Why Not Now show is supported by Poopery. Yep, the original before you go toilet spray. It's magic. My friends at Poopery have literally taken the smell out of you know what. This pure blend of essential oils stops bathroom odor before it begins. Visit poopery.com and Why Not Now listeners get 20% off with code Why Not Now. That's all one word. Also, you can now get poopery at Target. Marie, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And in the spirit of why not now, let's get started. Can you tell me about a time when you had a big decision to make and you asked yourself, why not now? Yes. My goodness. I've had many of those throughout the course of my life. But the first one that comes to mind and probably the biggest was the moment that I decided that I was going to quit my job and begin what sounded like a crazy and irrational idea to start a coaching practice when I was the ripe old age of 23. Now, Amy, to give you some context for that, I had previously uh, graduated college maybe like two, two and a half years before 
at 21 years old. I had worked on the New York Stock Exchange uh, on Wall Street on the floor of the of the stock exchange and realized pretty quickly how that wasn't supposed to be my life, that I was denying that truth for quite a while, put myself through a lot of pain because I was terrified. And even though this small voice inside said, you're not supposed to do this, I was kind of arguing with it and going, well, what else am I supposed to do? You know, I just got my degree and this is like the best job I could possibly hope for. And, uh, you know, I have all of this debt after college and I don't have another way to support myself. So please voice, enlighten me. (laughs) (laughs) But it didn't have an answer. And after I left Wall Street, I went on a bit of an odyssey to try and just find my place in the world. And I went from Wall Street to moving to Boston uh, to doing like maybe three to four months at a Japanese art studio bartending at night and trying to get back in touch with my creative side. I then landed in magazine publishing back in New York on the ad side of Gourmet Magazine, was there for a little bit, heard that same voice again, like, you're not supposed to be doing this, and started to feel a sense of panic, like, oh no, here we go again. Eventually left that job, found myself on the editorial side of Mademoiselle Magazine, which was a fashion magazine, and the same thing started to happen. So I am fast forwarding to that why not now moment. (laughs) (laughs) which was me working at Mademoiselle, having had discovered life coaching about six months previous, had signed up on the spot for a life and business coaching training program. It was the first of its kind. This is way back in 1999, if people can remember that far back. So it was way, way, way back in the day. And so my why not now moment actually came because HR at Condé Nast Publications, which was the umbrella company of where I was working at the magazines, called and offered me a position, a promotion at Vogue magazine. And so that was my fork in the road or why not now moment where I said to myself, okay, you have been on this journey trying to find your place in the world. Nothing has worked. None of the stability of jobs and health benefits and paychecks and, you know, going to an office every day and all of those things, all of this feels like death to you. And you can quit your job right now and start this weird life coaching practice, or you can go on to one of the biggest fashion magazines in the world and like stay stable and keep paying down your debt and like do the respectable thing. So of course I chose the uh, more risky path and I didn't take that promotion and I quit my job and I started to try and figure out how to build a business (laughs) from nothing with all of my insecurity and my fear and my debt and not knowing what the hell I was doing. And I went back to something that I did throughout my entire college career, which was bartending and waiting tables to put food on the table while I figured it out. So I don't know if I took too many circular paths around. Hopefully you tracked with that. Oh, that was that was great, and it provides for so many follow up questions because yes. I'm curious. Wow! So first of all, this is a young age to be realizing this. How how self aware were you um, to be able to hear the voice? I didn't even know there was a voice at that age. The little small voice. So, question for you: When you, I've heard so many people, listeners say, you know. I feel like I'm chasing a promotion I don't even want, but it's just what you do because you think you should. And there's that carrot and everyone around you encourages you because you're kind of in your maybe zone of excellence versus genius. And so did you have a lot of people saying to you, Marie, go for Vogue. Oh my goodness. This is such a big break. And how did you deal with, you know, the even loved ones? Um, Were there a lot of opinions and voices that were circulating the inner voice. 
You know, that's a great question. Um, so I will get to that answer, but I first want to lay the foundation that ever since I was a little girl, my mom had taught me about the still small voice inside. Now she taught me about that in the context of keeping myself safe. So I grew up in a time and in a place in New Jersey where I could, once I reached a certain age, walk to school right? I could walk to school Mm -hmm. by myself. And I really wanted to do that because I've always been this very independent spirit. My mom didn't want to let me do that for obvious reasons. And when I finally said, no, 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 I'm old enough to do it. She said, okay, well then you have to really listen to me now. You have a small voice inside that's always going to help keep you safe. And it's going to direct you onto where you most need to go in this life. And it will help guide you, especially when I'm not around. If anyone ever pulls up in a car and asks you to come, or they try and like talk to you in that little voice speaks up and you don't feel okay. I need you to walk. I need you to run. I need you to just really listen to that because it's designed to keep you safe. It's designed to guide you to what's best and highest for you. The reason I'm telling you this, Amy, is because I heard that message so often throughout my entire childhood that I began to train myself to listen to what's happening inside of me. So by the time I got to Wall Street and heard that voice, and then I heard it at Gourmet Magazine, and then I heard it at Mademoiselle, I was so used to listening to that voice that when the promotion for Vogue came up, I don't even know if I told my parents about it (laughs) because they had been (laughs) on this roller coaster ride with me. And especially my dad, he was one that told me when I was on Wall Street and I was crying on the church steps one day um, and I called him because I felt like such a loser. I also felt incredibly guilty because I am the first in my family to go to college at all. And I know the sacrifices my parents made to even put me in school. And to think about quitting was just, I I wanted to just roll up in a corner and, and die. And so when I called my dad to tell him that I was thinking about quitting, again, this was on Wall Street, and I'll take it back to the Vogue question in a moment. But when I called him to say, I'm so sorry, I don't want to be a disappointment. I don't know what to do, but I'm feeling, I'm getting physically ill coming to work every day. I don't know I can do this anymore. My dad told me something that forever changed the trajectory of my life. And he told me this, you are going to spend the vast majority of your life working. You need to find something you love. If this isn't it, quit. He told me, he's like, I'm not worried about you paying your bills. He's like, you have been working since you were nine years old. We kind of couldn't stop you from working. So I'm not really worried about you keeping a roof over your head. But if you don't learn this lesson now, you're going to find yourself in 20 or 30 years hating your life. So do whatever you need to do, quit, but take as long as it takes to find something you love. And when he told me that, Amy Jo, it really shifted something in me. So when that Vogue promotion came around, the biggest voice I had to contend with, not it wasn't outside of myself. It was internal. It was my own fear. It was my fear of not being able to make it, my fear of not knowing what the hell I was doing, my fear that I was so young. And by the way, my logical mind, Amy Jo, was like, who the hell is going to hire a 23-year-old life coach? You don't know shit. You haven't even lived life yet. Like, what are you doing? So my internal voice was louder than any external voice. That was just my experience. I know for some people, family, friends, and that external pressure can actually be really challenging to navigate. But for me, it's never been that. It's always been my internal voice and that internal fear and self-doubt. As I'm listening to you, I'm thinking through, you know, the times that I've seeked outside perspective advice, whether it's for business or personal, whatever it is, and the times I haven't. 
And when you first started explaining this, you said, I, I don't even know that I said anything to anyone because you just knew. But you knew you were also having this conversation with yourself, but you also knew. I realized those times where I was so sure, I, I didn't even think about asking anyone. Yes. And these other times, I'm asking everybody, especially I'm thinking about a recent business situation. And that should be enough of a sign. Well, let me ask you, do you think that's potentially a trigger or a sign that we should tune into if we're if we're seeking so much outside advice that maybe the situation in general like our intuition is saying hold up if you your answers are inside yeah i think it can be an indicator i don't want to discount the value or the insight that other people can bring to us because i have certainly had many times in my life where i am my goodness, I dropped to my knees with appreciation for the Mm. clarity and the reflection and the insight that people I love and really trust have offered me in times when I've felt confused. But I do think that as a society, and this is a very broad general statement, Amy Jo, I don't think that many of us have had nearly enough training on how to listen to what's happening inside of us. We don't trust ourselves enough. Oh, absolutely. So I do think it's a dance. I I do think that, you know, if if we have the courage to slow down, to be still, to be silent, and to be brutally honest with kind of our first response answers or like what we really feel, oftentimes it's there. We're just afraid to say it. We're afraid to face it. We're afraid what the repercussions could mean. If that means ending a relationship, if that means moving across the country, if that means taking a big risk, you know, there's so many kind of outpourings that come from listening to our truth, but I think uh, we all have it inside. So to answer your question, I do think that it may be almost like a little checkpoint, right? Like if you if you really need to ask that many people, just slow down for a second and say, do I really know the answer to this? And I'm just asking for other people to confirm it? Or am I legitimately like, gosh, I really don't know. And I really want to hear some perspectives from people that I trust. I trust how they live their life. I trust how they run their business. I admire their character and who they are. And at the end of the day, ultimately, I am going to follow my own internal guidance on what to do in the situation, even if I've gotten all of the advice from exterior people. That really makes a lot of sense. And it's fascinating to hear that you, from such a young age, have been training and learning how to listen to your own intuition. And I'm sure it just has gotten louder and louder. We both share a a friend and in Susie Batiste, who has been huge in my life in terms of helping me really listen to body intelligence, but also a variety of ways to really tune into that that voice because I've really struggled with it. Is sitting still, you know, getting quiet, being really brave. Are there any other tips or tricks, tangible things oh, yeah. that you yes, do? Yes, yes. Okay. Oh bring my it. goodness. Oh, oh, absolutely. 110%. So I have this one test that I tell everybody about. And um uh, we'll, we'll describe it. And some people, you have to kind of practice a little bit. It's just like anything else. You know, if you've never ridden a bike before, it's like, how do you do this? And then once you ride a bike, you're like, oh, I got it. I get it. I totally get it. So what this is, is actually tapping into something you mentioned before. It's it's our body intelligence. Our body holds so much wisdom, so much intuition that is 
far beyond our logical mind. It just goes beyond anything that perhaps we've learned, that we've experienced, or that we've heard. So here's the test. Whenever I'm kind of looking at a situation and I'm unsure of which way I want to go and I really need to tap into that intuition, that voice, I will ask myself the question, like, does moving forward with this, whatever the this is, make me feel expansive or contracted? Now, what do I mean by expansive? The moment, the millisecond after I ask that question, do I sense my body opening up? Do I sense my chest feeling lighter? Do I sense myself even in space moving slightly forward? Do I feel a gentle smile? Like, is there something that just feels bigger, grander, more open, more expansive, more inclusive, more excited? Or on the flip side, when I ask, you know, does moving forward to this make me feel perhaps contracted, right? So I'm tapping into a physical, physiological sensation. If it's contracted, it often feels something like a deepening, dead, heavy, shoulders down, contracted, moving back, almost like I could be shaking my head no, a sense of dread, not a thought of dread, but like a physical sense of dread. Now, this is a very, very subtle thing. And if you can drop into your body and if you do any type of working out, whether you're a runner, you dance, you do yoga, you do spinning, you know, it doesn't matter if you have any type of physical activity practice, you're going to be much more able to kind of get this quicker. If you don't, I would recommend you get on one now because that's one of the best ways to start activating your body's intelligence. But that simple question, when I think about moving ahead with this idea, this project, this person, do I feel expansive or contracted, that, my friend, is one of the most fast and guaranteed ways to get a clue on what you should do. Because any part of your body that starts to feel dread, that starts to feel like, no, this isn't right, even if on paper the opportunity looks fantastic, right? Even if you're going to make a gajillion dollars, supposedly, or these are the best people in the world, but you look at this opportunity and something in you is like hesitating and you can't put your finger on it, that is your natural knowing. That is higher intelligence trying to get through to you before you make a, you know, a move that you're going to wind up going like, gosh, why didn't I do that? The other thing is this. Most of us will understand how our intuition shows up in our life, whether it's a voice, whether it's a body sensation, whether it's imagery in our mind. When we look at the historical past, most of us have times in our life when we had a sense of something and we overrode it mm. because we wanted to get somewhere, because we had an agenda, because we thought something was going to be fantastic. And even though we might have had this little wiggle, we were like, nope, I'm going for it. I'm going to make this happen. And then in retrospect, we're like, mm, not the best move. And so if you can trace back in your history to the times where a part of you knew better, but you overrode it, that will help you then understand a bit of a map of how your intuition shows up in your life so you can be more attuned to it in real time moving forward. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And it's so helpful and hugely important for that why not now question because it's that it's a precursor but it's also a gauge of is this really what you want to do there it, when we're at that delta between idea and action or dreaming and doing if we don't have this guide and this internal gps then it's it's irresponsible really it can be disastrous potentially or it can just be no big deal and an override 
the reason I, I focus on this so much, and I think it's because it's been a challenge in my life so much, but it, it's so highly relevant to the that why not now situation. And and so thank you for sharing those, those two great tangible tips that are practical and, and you can apply them right now, and I will be. I've heard you actually saw you tweet just today even. I think it was today or yesterday. You said what you can create in the next five to ten years will be absolutely astounding, or actually I'm paraphrasing. But you said you have to start now. Yes. And and I really want to dive into that a little bit more because I've spoken to so many incredible people like yourself, and one of the things that I keep hearing is that these expert why notters they put some sort of mechanism in place to push themselves forward across that starting line. Do you have a specific go-to when you know you just need to push yourself over that start line? Hmm, that's a great question. You know, I am built uh, as a person who just wants to get into action with everything. So that's kind of my default is like, let's get started. Like, you know, one of the reasons I love the internet, I feel like I am uniquely built for this particular time in history. is like, oh, I don't know the answer. I'm going to start Googling and then I'm going to get a phone number and then I'm going to call someone and then I'm going to ask questions and then we're off to the races. So one of the uh, mantras I live my life by is clarity comes from engagement, not thought. Mm. Clarity comes from engagement, not thought. So engagement can be anything. Again, it could be picking up the phone. It could be looking online. It could be getting your butt in a class. It can be doing an internship. It can be you know a million things. For me, when I was just starting my coaching career, one of the things that I discovered was that I didn't want to just be a coach. First of all, I hate that term. I can't stand the term life coach. Some people may love it, and God bless for me. I don't like it as a label. I don't really consider myself it. But I didn't. I knew that I didn't want to just be that. And I also had this passion around health and fitness and specifically dance. And I remember Amy Jo torturing myself for a number of years. That was like the one area where like I would dance at parties and you know, you couldn't rip me off the dance floor. I'd always be the first one on. But I had this little dream in my heart of like, gosh, I wonder if I could do this professionally. Meanwhile, you have to understand I had no formal training right? The only training I ever had in my life was doing the moonwalk across my mom's linoleum kitchen floor (laughs) in New Jersey to Thriller back in the day. That's like as professional as it got. So when I was about 25, which sadly is a little over the hill in the dance world, Mm -hmm. specifically in the hip hop dance world, I remember thinking to myself like, gosh, could I really give this a go? And I realized that unless I put myself in a damn class, like actually took a damn professional class that I would never know. So I remember the first professional dance class I ever took was at Broadway's Dance Center in New York, which is like kind of legendary. And Amy Jo, I walked into that studio and I was terrified, right? There were all these other people that had, they had been dancing since they were basically out of the womb. They were probably (laughs) 10 years younger than I was at that point. And by the way, 25 is not old. 25 is really young. But in that context, it's like Mm -hmm. you're at a different point in your career. You're certainly not just starting out. And I was terrified that people were going to laugh at me, that I was going to get in their space, that I would just like run out of the room in tears. And I remember going in and finding a space in the back of the room. And I sat down on the floor. And as the music came on, and we began the stretching exercises, I started to weep. And they were tears of joy because I felt so right and so at home. And after that class, I wound up becoming uh, a Nike dance athlete. That was a few years later. I have like four dance fitness videos that are out there. I 
traveled around the world training with Nike. Like there were so many things that came out of this idea. Clarity comes from engagement, not thought. So back to your question, you know, are there certain things that I do to get myself in action or to take myself from dreaming to doing, that mantra really helps. Because I think part of what holds many of us back is just, we don't know, right? Mm -hmm. We don't know if we're gonna like it. We don't have the information. Is it all gonna work out? And so when you begin to live by this idea that clarity comes from engagement, not thought, and you start to treat things as experiments, I'm going to try that. I want to see how it feels. I want to see what it's like. I want to see what I'm going to learn or discover. For me, it removes a lot of the pressure. And by the way, I think that all of us are built differently. So I actually want to speak to that a little bit because over the course of my career, I've helped probably at this point through our B-School program um, over 40,000 people start and grow businesses. So I've had a lot of experience with people that are at that beginning stage and also going from like, hey, this is existing. How do I grow it and scale it? And one thing that I've learned is that not everybody is a burn the bridge person. That scares the crap out of some people and will actually shut them down. Mm. So what I've discovered is that everyone has a kind of unique risk kind of averseness in their DNA. So in my career, what that looked like was actually taking kind of the slow route. So I had side jobs when I was starting my business because I couldn't be creative that this is just me, right? Everyone's different. I couldn't be creative and give my clients my best and really dive into the business unless I knew that my roof was still going to be over my head, that my rent was paid, and that I could afford mac and cheese to eat. The way I afforded all that was keeping side jobs of bartending, waiting tables, teaching fitness, doing like a bunch of other things on the side. That was my risk aversement. Early in my career, one of uh, my coaching clients, where in order for her to launch her business, a new business that she wanted to do, she needed to fire all her clients. That was the way that she could get motivated and that she would really do the work. So I would advise people to look inside and say, hmm, how do I operate at my highest and best? Is it when I have a little bit of cushion and a little bit of safety and money coming in? Or is it when I burn all the bridges and the pressure is so high that that's when I rise and become my best? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that relates to what you were asking or if we just went in a whole new direction, but I've found that to be really useful for people to really tap into how they operate at their highest and go with that. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hi, everyone. If you are digging this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. It just takes a moment and it means a ton to us. Also, after recording more than 100 episodes, I've created a bit of a cheat sheet on the top five things I've learned from renegades and how they get from idea to action, from dreaming to doing, I will email you the downloadable PDF when you subscribe to my newsletter. Just head to amyjoemartin.com and click on connect with me. And I think you're actually making a a great point. And there's a spectrum too of in terms of what that means by burning your bows, burning your bridges. Like you're the type of person it seems where you just sign up for the dance class. If you, in some cases, that's someone burning their boat, you know, just having enough bravery to sign up or you know you need to have a critical conversation with someone. So burning your bridge is to schedule the meeting. Um, But then you take it to the kind of meta, mega level of, oh, huge life changes. And that might be detrimental to someone to, you know, be that side of the spectrum and, and just 
put themselves in that type of a corner. So that's really, I, I really appreciate that because we talk about it a lot on the show and not everybody is going to, most people have side hustles and they don't just do something that's actually pretty rare. And I think another, another layer to it, sorry not to interrupt you, but like you said, there is a spectrum. So you can have that internal, hey, I'm burning the boats or I'm burning the bridges because I'm doing this, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm throwing my logic or my responsibility out to the wind, right? So it's like, exactly. I am committed to this side hustle and I'm going to give it X amount of hours per week, but I understand myself well enough to know that I like to have that financial cushion, right? I like to have whatever it is else on the side because that helps keep me focused. So I think getting the nuance is important for people. And I love your mantra, clarity comes from engagement, not thought. And that notion of just get started because you won't know until you start exploring and experimenting. And we can imagine all day long, but most of the time things don't happen exactly like we plan anyway. So we're never going to know until we just get started and, and taking a first step. It doesn't mean you have to see that whole staircase, that Martin yes. Luther King quote. But yeah. One of my favorites. And I will, I'll add on to that. The second mantra, besides clarity comes from engagement, not thought. I'm a one, I'm a woman who lives by mantras, if you haven't figured that out, because I need to have little things to repeat to myself. It really helps me. Um, start before you're ready. Everything great in my life that has ever happened, I start before I'm ready. So oh. uh, when it came for my business, right, I was not ready to start my I had no freaking clue what the hell I was doing and I was terrified. But I had to start and I started before I was ready because I realized for me to wait until I quote unquote feel ready, that day is never going to come. Ever, 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 ever. I started before I was ready hiring my first assistant. I knew I was going to be the crappiest boss ever. I was terrified of it. I knew I was probably going to hire someone that was older than me, which was intimidating for me at that point in my life. I knew I was probably going to waste money. (laughs) Like there was just a million things that I knew I was going to do wrong. And I did. I made all the mistakes. Start before you're ready. For me, in terms of teaching classes, starting my show, like my entire life, even buying real estate, terrified, right? You know, I don't know for some people it's like, I don't want to buy real estate. I want to rent my whole life. For me, I always had a dream of owning real estate. And I remember making, you know, my first purchase terrified Amy Jo, but I was like, nope, start before you're ready. This is how all the good things happen in life. Wow. I I love that so much. I'm going to borrow it. And thank you. You do. Everybody uh, should borrow it. Use it, use it, use uh, it. Yes, yes. I mean, what an awesome spring of momentum forward. So you're writing an, another book, which is super exciting. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about it. So everything is figure outable. Yes, that's the title and our working subtitle at this point, which probably will change by the time it comes out in um, September of 2019, is how one simple belief can change your life and change the world. So this idea, everything is figure outable, yet another mantra, has been responsible for everything that's happened in my entire life. And I learned it um, from my mom as a little girl. And it just is this notion that anything that we face, whether it is a problem, a pain point, something that's really frustrating for us, or on the flip side, it's a dream or an aspiration, but we have no idea how to bring it to life. If we operate from this belief that everything is figureoutable, all of a sudden it opens us up 
to move forward and to jump into some of the topics that, you know, we've already covered this idea of starting before you're ready and clarity comes from engagement, not thought. But oftentimes, whenever we find ourselves stuck in life or not getting the results that we want, if we dig deep, it's usually connected to some type of limiting belief. And so when we adopt the universal belief that everything is figureoutable, it really helps us become these unstoppable forces of creation. So it's been something that I use in my life, you know, from everything is figureoutable, you know, making travel plans to things in the business just hitting a wall, you know what I mean? Problems coming up, technology breaking, relationship issues, health issues, family issues, you name it. I rely on this idea that everything is figureoutable. And when the you know what hits the fan, oftentimes it's the life raft that reminds me that not only am I capable, but there are people around me that if I don't have the answers, they do. And I need to be brave enough to reach out, to ask for help, to be vulnerable and to say, hey, I've got this thing going on. I don't quite know how to solve this. I'm not quite sure what to do, but I absolutely know that everything is figureoutable. And do you maybe have a clue? Do you have someone I could call? Do you have any insight that can help me take that next step forward? And so I'm really excited about this idea because I wanted to share it in a bigger way for a long time. I did a talk um, for Oprah on this idea a few years back. And it was like a TED talk, it was like an 18 minute talk. And I had so much fun doing it, Amy Jo, that I'm like, okay, this is definitely the the concept for my next book. And so we're in the process of, of finishing up that manuscript now. Oh, I'm excited to read it. And just the word figure outable is such a positive connotation. I, as, as I'm hearing you, I was thinking it's is it kind of like the positive way of saying what's the worst thing that can happen? Everything is figureoutable. You know, I don't know if I would use that turn of phrase. It might be. And if that's a framing that helps people, my goodness, please roll with it. For me, it, what it helps me do is see that no matter what problem myself as an individual, my team as a collective, us as a society face, it's not insurmountable that there is an answer out there that we can either create it together or it exists and we just haven't leveraged it by now. But for me, it helps me feel that no matter what's happening, I never have to lose hope. Yeah, it is different. I feel that it is, there's a difference in those two, but it's like permission. I feel like that that title and this concept is permission to get creative, shed some conditioning, really kind of start before you're ready. Yeah. <laughs> and that's super exciting. Yeah. And to really look at any area of your life, truly, like if it's relationships that you feel like are strained right now, if it's your health, if there is something in business or your career or your financial life, you know, something that has been naughty and persistent and you're like, goodness, this is just, why can't I seem to solve this? Or if we broaden it out, right? And collectively look at some of the things that we are battling in society right now. If you, if you want to look at um, an issue like global poverty, you know, if you, you want to look at an, any of the environmental issues, really anything that you feel like, you know, wow, there's human suffering attached to this and perhaps there doesn't have to be. 
if we look at any of the great breakthroughs in human history, even though they might not have used this phrase, Amy Jo, they certainly used the spirit. So if you think back to the women's suffrage movement, right? At one point, women didn't have the right to vote. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. someone was like, you know what? I don't really think this is how it should be. You know, something in them said, this is figureoutable. This can change. And I'm going to work to make that happen. I'm going to collect people together to help make that happen. At another point in history, humans, we weren't really flying around in airplanes, right? And then the Wright brothers were able to kind of crack that code. And so the biggest breakthroughs in human history are because people on some level believed that things were absolutely figureoutable and they were willing to be brave and courageous and step out there and start using their hearts and their minds and their ingenuity to make progress happen. And so whether it's on an individual level that we find ourselves with a dream or again, a problem or a pain point or collectively with a dream or a problem or the pain point. I think that if we start operating with this belief that everything is indeed figureoutable, our lives are imbued with meaning, with action and with the type of problems that we really want to tackle. Like Mm -hmm. the type of problems that we're like, yeah, this is worth it. I want to go for it. I'm excited. So September, 2019, uh, we'll be able to read this. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. We'll keep you posted for sure. Okay. And another quick question. So you've built the B-School. You've had, which you're going into your 10th year, amazing, 40,000 students. I've heard you say in the beginning when you were first starting out, and I'm not going to use the word coach. Uh, I have air quotes here. The (laughs) non-coach. Yeah, no, totally. totally. There's not really another word, so I haven't come up with one, so that you're, it's all good. (laughs) But I know what you mean. Sometimes the semantics in certain words just, they, they don't jive with me either. But as you were starting out, I've heard you say that you kind of tortured yourself trying to choose a niche too fast, and that you were trying to kind of box yourself in or figure out it sounded like you're you're swim lane and well thank goodness you didn't because a i mean you have been able to transcend so many different verticals or swim lanes and that's where that's what makes you so valuable and and amazing but what would you say to people who are struggling with that same situation right now where they uh, you know we always hear you know find your find your zone and you're uniquely uh, or your differentiating factor, or don't be a jack of all trades and master of none. So for people who are maybe working through that right now, what would you say to them? Yes. So um, in terms of when I started, I remember torturing everyone around me, um, including uh, Josh, who I've been with for now over 15 years, because I couldn't come up with that elevator pitch or that party line. You know how everyone mm-hmm. tells you that when you get started? It's like, well, you need to be able to say what who you are and what you do in an elevator and say it really snappy. Yep. And I just remember how many legal pads, and I had so many different versions, and they all sounded like crap, and I wanted to cry. And I was walking on the beach with Josh, like saying, but just listen to this one. What about this one? Does this one sound like me? And he was like, oh my God, I cannot take this. Stop it. (laughs) So I think for me, this notion, and I think it's an archaic notion, right? Like I understand logically, of course we need to communicate who we are and our value to the world, but it's a little bit of an old idea where we stick people into these boxes so that we can understand who they are and what they do and we can categorize them and then easily move on. But uh, I discovered for me that I was what I like to call a multi-passionate entrepreneur. 
I was very into personal development, marketing, small business, digital media, spirituality, dance, fitness, hip hop. Like there were all these areas that not only was I interested in, but I had skills and strengths in and I was good at. And so trying to come up with how to talk about the things that I did was just, it was frustrating. It didn't work. It was so narrow-minded and it just didn't reflect the fullness of who I was or who I am. And so for anyone who's experiencing that same thing right now, you might be a fellow multi-passionate entrepreneur. You're like, oh my Mm -hmm. goodness, I love, you know, yoga and basket weaving and digital marketing and like all of these different things. And you're like, ah, how do these fit together? It just doesn't make sense. We're partially operating uh, in an old school world from the industrial age when everyone had to be so specific and niched down and people were doctors or lawyers, you know, for 30 or 40 years. And we're just not living in that world anymore. But some of our language and our ways to categorize people haven't really caught up. So for someone in that struggle, I would say, look, do the work. Whatever areas you're passionate about, you're interested in, you're involved in, be as great as you can be in each of those areas and let yourself have fun talking about all the different things that you do. So for example, sometimes people will ask me, you know, oh, so what do you do? I'm like, do you mean like right now talking to you? Or do you mean tomorrow when I'll be working with coaching clients? Or on Friday when I'm going to be teaching about thousand people how to do this great hip hop dance for Nike. And so I just started having a ton of fun with it rather than making myself wrong for not fitting into some imaginary box that I thought I had to fit into. Does that make sense? So It's really about letting go of this need to seek approval from the world about who you are and a little bit of letting your freak flag fly and having fun with the fact that you are multifaceted, that you have a multitude of strengths. And I think it's Walt Whitman, right? There's a quote from him that I contain multitudes. That's a little fragment of the quote. People can go look it up to see the whole thing. But I like that idea because I think all of us contain multitudes. And to think that any of us are just one thing is really narrow-minded. It ignores the complexities of who we are. It shuts down the bigness of who we can be. And again, I think it's just an outdated model. That really resonates. And I think we live in a time where what used to be hobbies are now side hustles too. And we do have all these facets and it would be limiting to think that, you know, one person just does one thing or can only do one thing. And it's, uh, it's helpful. I think it's very, very timely for a lot of people. So thank you. So I have a few quick rapid fire questions. First is what's your favorite book? Oh, fun one. So my favorite book that I always come back to is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. I think it's especially applicable if folks in your audience have not read that book, or frankly, even if they have, go pick it up and reread it because it's so fast. But that book the core of it is about moving from idea to action consistently, day in and day out. And while it is couched in a framework for writers, it applies to whether you are starting a business, a nonprofit, a new spiritual practice, wanting to run a marathon, whatever is the thing that could be your why not now moment, I think the War of Art is a perfect complement to help you get there. Love it. Excited to dive into that for sure. And what's one lesson you've had to learn over and over? Ooh, that's a good one. One lesson I've had to learn over and over. You know, this is business related, actually. For me and for our team, I realized that the way that we operate 
I'm a person who likes to date before I get married. And by the way, I don't even really so much believe in marriage in terms of the personal sense, but in the business sense, getting married means hiring someone full time. I think a lesson that I've learned again and again is it just really works well if there is a way to work with people on a freelance or a project basis for a bit of time so that everyone knows that it's the right fit. Hmm. And once you know it's the right fit, then it becomes this glorious adventure when they do come on as a full-time employee. But I think that that's a lesson that um, we've had to learn a few times. And I just think it's a really lovely way to operate to make sure that from the person who we're bringing on, their perspective and our perspective, everyone's like, yes, this is a fit. That's great. The test drive, the you're interviewing each other too. But yeah. it's it's an equal value exchange. I love Absolutely. that. So Absolutely. Absolutely. How do you get from crappy to happy quickly? Mm. Sometimes crappy to happy doesn't happen so fast, but the fastest ways, and when I say that, what I mean by that is I am not a person who likes to deny feelings. I think it's really important that when you're having a tough time, not that you want to wallow in it, not that you want to like stay there and stew in it forever, but you have to let yourself feel it. Because when you don't let yourself feel it, I think that's when we create sickness and that's when we don't really allow for the fullness of our humanity. But once you've allowed yourself to feel it for a few minutes and you know you're not denying it, for me, it's movement, it's dance, it's music, and it's talking to people I trust. And it always depends on kind of the flavor of crappy, you know, which one of those I'll need to go deploy. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's a walk in nature, right? So the movement and getting out in nature can do it. Sometimes it's putting on a really good song. And sometimes there's just that one person you need to talk to who absolutely understands you and won't try and get you out of it too fast, won't mm-hmm. try and rationalize it away or go like, oh, you shouldn't feel that way. Because I think that's bullshit. I hate when people do that. Mm-hmm. When your friend or someone you love is having a tough time, you got to get down in there with them. And like, let them feel it. And then usually giving them just a little space and being there with them in it is enough to have them go, okay, I'm done now. Let's move on. Oh, that's, I, I really appreciate that you acknowledged and kind of the, this notion of honoring your feelings and not trying to just jolt from one feeling to another. And so thank you for that and great suggestions. What keeps you up at night? Hmm. Excitement. Whenever I am really excited, like whether it's about a trip or about a project or, you know, something that I know is happening the next day, those are the most difficult times for me to get to sleep. Otherwise, I sleep like a rock. I could have an espresso. I could have a cappuccino at like 9 p.m. And by the time my head hits the pillow, I'm out like a light. But excitement, that keeps me up. Oh, what a good thing to be keeping you up. Positive. Pirates or ninjas, Marie? Who's tougher and why? Oh, God, ninjas every single day of the week. I think just because they're a little more stealth, I feel like they'll come in and come out. They won't have as much jewelry on like the pirates (laughs) because the pirates, you can really hear them because of all their booty that they're carrying around somewhere. Mm -hmm. And the swords, they clang and they're really loud where I feel like ninjas, super stealth, in and out, badasses. Solid answer and backup. And final question, what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh my goodness, to relax and like enjoy everything 10 times more. Now I do have to say, Amy Jo, I, my younger self, 
I've always been a person who enjoys. So enjoys is like, that's kind of in my DNA, having a good time. But I did stress out a lot in my early 20s, just trying to figure out who I was and my place in the world. And from what I've heard from other people, that is quite a common occurrence. Our 20s are that time in our lives when we're just all trying to figure it out. So I would tell my younger self, relax. You know, you can you can have that extra beer, that extra glass of wine. You can do whatever it is. Dance a little bit longer. Stay out till, you know, 8 a.m., not just 7 a.m. because it's all going to work out. Oh, I love it. Well, this has been a true honor and joy to connect with you, listen, learn. And I just want to thank you for your time and your wisdom and being so open. It's gold. Thank you so much, Marie. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. Hit me up on social media to let me know what you think. I'm at Amy Jo Martin on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And I want to hear your why not now moments so I can share them on the show. Just send me a note to why not now at amyjomartin.com. For show notes and other offers, you can visit amyjomartin.com forward slash why not now. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email newsletter for exclusive content and announcements. A big thanks to Rock Salt Music for all of the tunes by the talented John Coggins. And of course, a hat tip to Richard Gruer for editing and producing the show. I'll see you next time. And until then, why not now? Mm-hmm.